Welcome to the Hey Soul Sister podcast, where Mel Histon will guide you through life's big questions and bring you one step closer to doing this crazy journey as best you can. Hey Soul Sister, do you ever find yourself just moving through the day-to-day motions of life, lacking purpose or meaning or joy? Have you ever thought about what it is that lights you up, that brings you a sense of joy? I have two awesome women in the podcast studio with me today, Lisa Mills and Tammy Guest. Hey, girls. Hey, Now, Lisa and Tammy are two of the most self-aware women I know. And when I told them that there before, they thought that was hilarious and started laughing. But but they really are. They're really, really good women, good humans and very self-aware, which I love. And I've watched them and their lives over the last eight years or so morph and grow as they've found their inner light, what brings them joy and the impact that that has on their lives, others in the world. So thanks, girls, for coming in. Thanks, Mel. Thank you. Very excited. And I'm just going to say it was actually Lisa's idea, this podcast. She reached out to me and said, do you know what, but through um, what she does in life – this is something that's a bit of an issue for women that you meet. So Lisa is a fitness and mindset coach who works with people to help them connect their body and mind with what lights them up so they can live life on their terms. And Tammy is a university-trained naturopath and entrepreneur with a background in medical science and is the founder of the Naturopath Movement. So you help other naturopaths with their business. I do. Yes. And you're also the founder of the conference Natex. 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 And now a helicopter pilot. And I am a helicopter pilot now too. And so both of you, I met them, met you both what, about eight years ago? Yeah. Can't believe it's that long. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, it's awesome. I, and and I love that you're still in my life. And I (laughs) may not, yeah, (laughs) I may not, I may not get to see you too often, but it's, it's lovely when we do like hanging out in a podcast station. So, Lise, this was your idea Mm -hmm. to do this podcast. Tell me a little bit about what you were thinking when you reached out and said, hey, let's do a podcast about finding your inner light. You know, I've been in the industry working with women for probably about 25 years now. And one of the biggest themes that comes up when women talk about their health is things like emotional eating or neglecting their self-care or putting everybody's needs first. And this can manifest a lot of times in them not being able to get to the gym, you know, even if they've set goals or, you know, eating um, things that they don't really want to eat, but they're feeling a feeling that they don't want to feel. So they do that instead. And I guess that was my story for years and years and years. And I, I suppose in the last couple of years since I've sort of discovered my little joy in the the, the, the form of a horse, um, that it made me really look back at all of the women I've worked with and say to myself, you know what, there's got to be something we can do to actually get women to help connect with what lights them up so that they don't feel the way that they do about themselves and regret things later in life and that they actually can use their body and their mind to actually bring them joy in life, which will then you know, relate to the people that they hang with and their family and their friends and and where they want to go in their career. I think it's just a a really important part. And I think as women, we are sometimes from a society perspective taught to forget what makes us happy. So, Lise, when I first met you, I was actually, I I was doing photography and you had reached out to me and asked me to get together for a cuppa, but you had a Diet Coke. Yes. I had a cappuccino and a focaccia and (laughs) you had a Diet Coke and you told me you wanted some photos done because you were entering a body shaping competition over in Hawaii. That was, I think, the first time I ever met you. God, I can't even remember that. That probably was, right? (laughs) 
Yes. And so tell me a little bit about your journey in terms of finding that light and finding that joy because you've kind of have opened up and said that maybe back then you weren't necessarily feeling yeah. – you were you were striving in terms of your health and fitness and body shaping and entering competitions, but it wasn't actually lighting you up. Yeah, absolutely. I think from a young age I've known that I'm a bit of a people pleaser and a perfectionist and that was really something that was relevant to me when I got into the fitness industry. Up until about year 10, I was the most sedentary, unfit person I think you could ever meet. You know, my, my brothers were the ones that had sport every weekend. I sort of just came along and hung out at the canteen and ate a few meat pies and sold some redskins. And I wasn't really encouraged to do a lot of sport. And then when I entered the gym, you know, I was a fairly average kind of girl, but always felt that I was bigger than the average girl and felt not so attractive and was just pretty normal at school and, you know, wasn't that popular. And the gym actually, from my warped sense back then, started to give me things that I didn't think I had. So my identity kind of changed into this person who some would call a gym junkie or a fitness fanatic and unfortunately went through a phase in my early 20s where I developed quite a severe disordered eating kind of body dysmorphia situation and that rolled right into probably when I was around 31 and I had to go through IVF with my daughter to have her and I remember when I had Liv you know I looked at her when I was breastfeeding one day and I went I can't let you go through what I went through And part of it was because I didn't realise at the time, but I was actually doing this thing called, you know, fitness and weight loss and body shaping and body competitions because I just felt that I didn't have anything else in life that made me have a purpose and um, helped me connect with people. And I think that's really common in a lot of women. We kind of identify with ourselves as a certain person and we define everything we do by that. And even though I you know, have the most amazing husband and I have two kids now, it probably only took me until two years ago to actually really break free from that cycle of thinking I had to maintain a super fit body, even in my 40s where <laughs> it's bloody hard now. <laughs> it is so hard to do that now. In order to kind of help me understand that maybe that wasn't what lit me up. Maybe that was just part of who I thought I had to be for people to like me. Let's get soulful on social media. Search the Sister Code Facebook page and follow us on Instagram. So how did you discover a love of horses? And because that's totally, if you have not grown up around horses and you're not, you're not a horse person, how did you discover that, that that is something that lights you up? So when I was really young, I did actually have a real love of horses and we lived on property, but we could never afford them. You know, I was one of four kids and my parents were very busy. And so I had a couple of rides on one of my mum's friend's horses and just fell in love with it. But it was always, no, we can't. And the dream was sort of squashed a little bit. And my daughter got on a pony when she was about two and a half and just fell in love And it was from that point that she just begged me, you know, day in, day out, you know, can I have a horse, can I have a horse? And long story short, she got to the age of 12 and she'd been doing horse riding lessons and dressage and we bought her her first pony and that was two years ago and I'd go out there every day and I'd almost like resent being out there because it was, this was her thing. So again, I'd put myself last I'd put everybody else's needs before me and I was sitting there resenting my daughter, fulfilling a dream that I didn't 
have the capability to do when I was little. And so I just looked at my husband one day and went, screw this, I'm the <laughs> one that's earning the money now, I'm going to buy my own pony. <laughs> and that's kind of where it happened. The spider bait song, buy me a pony. <laughs> <laughs> and I can so tell cool. you now, I was so, can I swear or not yep. swear? I was scared shitless once I bought that horse because I, I didn't know how to ride that well. Like I'd been on a couple of trail rides, I'd let someone lead me around on a horse, but I had no idea about yeah. horses other than that. And I don't know why, I just kept persevering. But it's just the thing that lights me up more than anything. And his name's Jasper and he's oh, beautiful. How often, <laughs> how often do you spend out there with him? Um, we're probably out there four to five days out of seven. We're lucky yep. to exist on a property with an amazing woman named Jules who's really taught me a lot about riding. And my daughter has to be out there to you know, do lessons and practice, but we go out there most afternoons and it's just a real way for me to switch off from the crazy stuff that happens in life and just slow down because whenever I'm there with him, he reflects what my emotions are. Yeah. And so I know that there's people that do um, psychology around using horses because horses Equ- are an amazing reflection. Of so our equine therapy. Yes, yeah. You know a bit exactly about that, Tam. Mm, yeah. Have, have you ever like referred anybody for equine therapy? Yeah, yeah, I have. Everything that Lisa's saying, having run a naturopathic clinic for seven years and seeing over 7,000, particularly women who had forgotten what it was like to feel joy it was one of the questions that we asked in clinic was when was the last time you felt joy and every second woman would cry because they couldn't remember what that feeling was like particularly if they were mothers and so we would track back to a time before they had children and possibly a time before they were even partnered up with whoever they've ended up with and think about the things that they always wanted to do or the things that brought them joy back then and then we would make them make a list of five things and I did exactly the same thing when I got really burnt out and it does track right back and for some people like I remember doing it the first time and it was a woman who had ice skated she'd got to a level that was so extraordinary with her ice skating and she hadn't done it for such a long time but she went back as an adult and everything changed about her, not just her physical ailments. It was also her emotions. There was also her confidence. She changed her job, all from doing this thing that brought her joy. Same thing goes with equine therapy, pet therapy, people who wanted to train dogs when they were little and then end up in therapy training for their particular dog and using that dog as therapy, taking people around to hospitals and things like that. So it was I think all of those aspects of out-of-the-box kind of therapies are really underestimated in how they can actually bring about not only emotional changes but physical changes as well. Want to save your soul? Review us on Apple Podcast. And Tammy, you have your own story about finding something that lights you up, something totally out of the box. <laughs> Flying helicopters. Oh, my Lord. That's like amazing I remember when I saw something on social media around that and I'm like I'm like okay I know that you're amazing and you can do anything and you you know you do but I was like flying helicopters that's a whole other level yeah I suppose so but for me I don't really think about it like that do you mind maybe sharing what it was that led you on that journey to setting that goal that you are going to circumnavigate the globe in a helicopter. Yeah. Do you mind sharing that? Yeah, of course. I just think it's, I know it's personal, but I also know that there's probably been many women who have been in this position and they haven't been able to rise out and find something again to lift them. Yeah. So I've had two times in my life where I've found myself pretty much as you described it at the beginning of the podcast, actually, in the day-to-day 
kind of that hamster wheel feeling. And the first time I was in pathology in a hospital and hospital life is really different. I'm sure there's lots of nurses listening and other people who have that caregiver nature to them, are in a bigger system that's bigger than them and you can even be on shift work and things like that which really messes with the way that your body works and the way you think and that happened to me. And I decided well, this isn't how I want to live my life. I probably decided that 18 months before I actually did anything about it. But then I decided I would retrain as a naturopath. So I went and got my second uni degree and retrained as a naturopath. And it was quite quick for me to fill up my books and see lots of people. And I really loved it. I was of service to our entire community. I was exploring different things like taking people away on retreats. And it was awesome but it was also exhausting. I didn't know a lot about boundaries and so I was seeing a lot of people, a lot of people and if you've ever been to a naturopath before, (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of stories that come out because we spend a lot of time with our clients. So I'd be in the depths of people's despair and at the heights of their celebration and but I was exhausted and I had been filling up my books, being exhausted Uh, I have a blended family, I was running my family, I was putting everything first, just the same as Lisa was describing. And uh, then we expanded our practice and we ended up having nine practitioners and so I I then became a manager as well. A business owner, manager, not just a natural partner. A business owner, manager, bricks and mortar, all of the things that go with all of that. And um, the bits that I loved and that I felt joy about felt like they were distanced from me. And I realised there was parts of my business that I loved doing, like teaching other naturopaths and going on retreats. And there was a whole bunch that just was dragging my energy. I decided I would sell my practice. And I was super excited to hand it over to people who were ready and willing and able to kind of step up for our community. And that was really exciting. But what happened that I didn't expect is that there's a whole bunch of processes you've got to go through to actually sell a business. And they're things that are outside of my flow. So helping people, teaching people, going on retreats versus legals, documents, numbers, business, business, business. It's so draining, isn't it? Yeah, really draining. And uh, in the midst of it all, I'd missed certain things like paying my retro (laughs) and I found myself pretty much a week out from handing over my business and a police car drove past and I was like oh my goodness that that retro's due oh no I'll just drive around the corner and then another police car came and pulled me over on my way to school drop-off my three different schools I've got three different kids at three different schools and she pulled me over and she said you know you're driving an unregistered vehicle uh Actually, I did think about that just before you pulled me over, yes. (laughs) So so you knowingly drove an unregistered vehicle with your children in the car this morning. I was like, well, it's not like it became unroadworthy. It's like... (laughs) But in the midst of everything, it just cracked me right open. I didn't realise I'd been under so much pressure. And after dropping the kids off, I just broke down. I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't pull myself together. I still had a whole day with nine clients to go into and I just couldn't stop crying. And I was like, hold on a second, I'm not the person that cries. This isn't me. I'm going to say, and police are totally intimidating sometimes. Like they don't get, oh, by the way, sweetie, do you know? It's like, what the hell, sister? Like, not even sister, what the hell? Yeah, exactly. Here's your $800 fine on your way to work. Want to save your soul? 
Review us on Apple Podcast. So the crying wouldn't stop and I thought, oh, I've been to the beach before when, when I felt like this. Maybe I just need some wind in my sails. I'll go over to the beach and I'll take some big deep breaths. And I got over there and uh, stood on, on one of the cliffs and thought, oh, this is, this is better, but the crying's not stopping and this dark feeling's not stopping. This, this is a bit odd. I don't know about all this. And I thought, actually, out of curiosity, I wonder if I stood a little bit closer to the edge of the cliff, if the wind would just come up and I'd actually be able to breathe through all the crying. And then as I stood a little bit closer to the cliff, I looked down and I thought, well, this dark feeling is much more likely to stop if I jumped. And I wonder if it would stop halfway or if it would take all the way to the bottom to stop. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And being a practitioner who's used to hearing stories like that and not hearing them from herself, I had a very quick moment of, all right, hold on a second. If I was my own client what would I say to me? And I thought, hold on, this isn't good. This is not okay. I would be telling this person, this is not okay. You need to be calling some people. Step back from the ledge. And so I took my own advice and uh, stepped back from the ledge, called three people and nobody answered. And uh, I hate that. <laughs> I hate it when there's the no answer. <laughs> the no answer. And then I was like, okay, maybe I'll text message. No answer. And I was like, okay. Actually, they're the times when we get through the most, right? Those times when there isn't an answer and you figure it out and I just had enough of an inkling in my mind to go, actually, I've been here before when there isn't anybody about, I've been, this is where I learn the most. And so I stepped right... I'm just going to say that's really profound because <laughs> I don't know if, if, I, if I would have that in me. Mm. I don't know. Well, this is the thing. I wouldn't have guessed it either but when <laughs> you're in the middle of it, it's like, oh, right. What comes next is a little bit more weird. So uh, I stepped back and I had a moment and I thought, okay, well, I've explained this to many a person before about how to shift emotions from your body. First, you've got to feel the emotions. I was like, okay, what is this feeling I've got and where can I feel it in my body? And so I put my hand on my chest because it was like caving in. I thought, okay, I wonder what it would take to shift this. And as I was asking it, a guy in a wheelchair rolled up the cliff in front of me. It's like, hold on a second. Perspective. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm sitting here crying and I'm hold on a second. And bizarrely enough, that little inkling that I was talking about in my mind gave me, of all things, a Dr. Zeus quote. You've got feet in your shoes and you can go wherever you choose. I was like, oh my goodness, I've still got my feet. I've still got my legs. I still have the capacity to walk. I still have the capacity to make a business. I still have the capacity to be a parent. I haven't lost my capacity as a naturopath. All of that's the same, but I was having a real identity crisis that I hadn't identified. And I forgot to register my car. And I forgot (laughs) to register my car. That's right. (laughs) And again, that's not the end of the world. It was... Fully functional car. It's just a matter of paying that stupid bill now. (laughs) It's actually just more a bit of a wake-up call. It was, right? Yeah. So the crying pretty much stopped and I thought, oh, there's this little pit in my stomach feeling. I wonder what it would take to get rid of that. And then a blind guy walked up behind the guy in a wheelchair (laughs) up the cliff. And if that's not, I don't know, I'm not really an angels type of thing, but that's pretty intense to have that up the side of a cliff. I'm not kidding. It was like at the time it was this little dirt track. And yeah, yeah so he's there with his seeing eye dog and his cane 
And on the Seeing Our Dog's jacket, it said, I need space, please. Oh, my oh, Lord. Wow. <sighs> I'm just going to say I am That's a title so angel believer. <laughs> hey. I've been watching these YouTube clips of Lorna Byrne. Please look her up. Okay. The lady that ever since she was a little girl has been able to see angels and guardian angels and she said she can see them. Like she oh, walk wow. in and she'll see Beautiful. she's been in a situation. I think she was in a car park or something and a, and a woman fell over and hurt herself and she could see the angels whispering in the ears of people. Oh, wow. To help to, her. To go help her. Wow. No, I so believe Well, you had angels looking over you. <laughs> <laughs> Two. Yeah, and a puppy dog. And a puppy, yeah. Yeah, so I, I had that moment of, oh, my goodness, I just need space. I need to give myself space. And I had my last week uh, running that practice and, and then I let it go. And then all of a sudden there was – I gave myself the space because of that little inkling there. And I found myself the next school holidays at – uh, museum with my kids and I was super excited to take them there because they had a trailblazer exhibition and I was I was like I was thinking about that advice that I'd been giving all those clients about the five things that you used to love doing and some roller skating and roller derby and I did some uh, art and things like that but nothing had stuck and then I remembered I really loved flying as a kid because my dad's in the air force and uh, I got to have a go at that kind of thing. But I hadn't followed through, similar to Lisa's story. We, you know, it was that story of, no, no, we can't afford that. No, no, let's not do that right now. And I was excited to see the aviation exhibit at the Trailblazer thing. And I, I walked through and as soon as I saw that there were these female aviators from like the 1940s, no, you know, those, I was just enamoured and I had this burning sensation in my tummy like a fire was reignited and even though it wasn't like a raging oh my goodness kind of thing it was an inkling enough for me to go "Ooh, there's something in this for me and then I saw that uh, Dick Smith had all of these lines all over the globe like 20 odd lines around but all the women had only had one line and I was like what's all that about that's ridiculous how is it that no woman has gone multiple times around the globe let alone you know he'd gone in a balloon and a helicopter and a this and that and I thought gosh no woman's done it in a helicopter in the direction that he's done a couple of things I don't see why I can't I mean one stop is pretty easy you just need 29 stops so on our way back home I rang up the local helicopter school and I was in there for a training flight the next week wow yeah that's cool and now you're planning to circumnavigate the world in a helicopter is it next year yeah, so we, we've amended our um, our trip and we are stopping at a couple of different places to be able to give back. So I'll be using my experience in remote areas to be able to give back um, through a couple of contacts that I've been involved with. And I think there's something about that when you've got a big dream and it can change. It's that little um, that fire to get you to where you want to go or need to go. And then it can change and it can shift and you have to follow the other next ignition of fire or follow that light. And I've connected with quite a few people in the outback and who are running programs for nutrition and public health and a couple over in India and places like that. So we're going to embed a little bit more into some of those communities than just go on the mission itself. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Mm. I can't wait to see you do that and follow your story when you do it. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> I'm excited. Want to fill your soul with more? Go to thesisterco.com. Hey, Lise. So yeah. y- you work with women every day and you have done mm-hmm. um, through your coaching and, and personal fitness over the last, what, eight years or so? 
Yeah, so I've been a trainer for 25 years. 25 years, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm old now. So longer than eight. <laughs> That's right, yeah. yeah. So what is it, what are some of the barriers that you see that stop women from actually pursuing something to light them up and give them purpose? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that I've noticed is um, the story that they have in their head about why they can't. And the sad thing is that a lot of women don't realise it's not their story. It's actually been inherited from somebody else. So say, for example, they grew up in a household that wasn't well off and they were one of six kids and they were the oldest girl. And, you know, maybe their mum relied on them to be the second mother. And so they modelled self-sacrifice and putting yourself last off their mum. So there's this this really, really strong belief system in their head that says you can't do that because if you do, then maybe someone will say you're selfish. And I think that's the biggest thing that we need to really start to think about is, is the thing we're telling ourselves about what we can or can't do our story or is it just something that somebody may have said some sometime in our childhood that actually has dictated how we live the majority of our life? Yeah. yeah. Bruce Lipton talks about that. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I think there's something about facts versus stories mm-hmm. as well. Uh, it's really easy to think, even in that moment where I was thinking, oh, a helicopter, great. Helicopters cost a lot of money. I couldn't possibly do that. Yeah, I'm not going to buy a flipping helicopter. That <laughs> so, <laughs> not yet. Not yet, exactly. Yeah. But it, it's going for that first little step which is the fact like the fact is all I had to do was make a phone call but we make up these big stories in our heads be it from other people or ourselves that oh it's going to cost loads of money it's going to cost take loads of time my friends uh, will think that I you know the the whole mum guilt thing comes in and Mum guilt is super strong, hey, isn't mm. it? Yeah. And it's that judgment, like that sense of other people are going to judge me. Yeah. Like it's been really interesting. Um, you know, I'm not, not the most massive poster on Facebook, but when I do something, like I, I get a few comments and people sort of bumping into, into me in the street. And the number one comment I, I hear is, oh, you're so brave. And I'm like, there's nothing brave about this. It's actually just me finally saying I'm worth something. Yep. And I'm actually a better person for everybody around me if I'm doing something that lights me up just as much. And you know what? It's the old Marianne Williamson. <laughs> Allowing your own light to shine gives yeah. permission for others to do the same. There we exactly. Go. Yeah. And it's funny because I, I hear women talk about other women. Oh, see what she posted on social media. Oh, if I see her post another thing about her, blah, blah, blah. That's it. I'm off a sort of thing, and I and I go. Do you know what? I, it's like holiday pics. I love seeing other people's holiday pics. I do not get sick of seeing other people's holiday pics. Please, people share them because I find that so inspiring. Mm, totally. I want to see where you've been. I want to see what you're doing. Yeah, I love it because I'm like, one day I might want to go there. But some people really don't like it. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's something about that again that comes from somebody else's story. Not liking that comes from a story of, of possibly not being able to do it themselves. Possibly putting their own little um, barriers in the way of what they actually truly want to do as well. Yeah. Have you ever read the book or heard of Greg Braden? No. So he's a Hay House author. Oh yeah, you know, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> he was like he's like a scientist that um, is. A bit spiritual and woo-woo, but he connects the science to it. And I read a book of his a few years ago called The Spontaneous Healing of Belief. 
I love that book because it's all about literally the stories that you tell yourself and the impact that it has on your life. Mm. And so really, if you just change those stories or change the emotion around those stories, you can absolutely change your life. Mm, Definitely. Yeah. And I think too, one thing that I've learned is that it's not always instant in terms of you being really comfortable with it. Because I know when I, you, you know this, Tammy. It's I've so seen, not. I've seen some of oh your posts God. about helicopter rides, Flying and I'm like, I am staying yeah. on my horse. <laughs> <laughs> but as an adult, it's really, it's a really it different experience so to learn hard. something new. Yeah, so hard. I remember driving out to the farm every single day, feeling sick in my stomach, going, "Is there a way I can get out of riding Jasper? What mm. can I find?" And there was just like story after story in my head because I was just scared. I mean, I'm a 45 year old woman. What am I doing trying to ride a horse? You know. <laughs> oh my god you could get hurt but then maybe I couldn't and maybe I could mm. one day finally canter and oh my god that's an amazing feeling and now yeah. I'm looking to learn how to jump over some cool jumps and yeah. go in a bloody dressage competition that my daughter bought me clothes for for Christmas and I'm like all right <laughs> that's, so that's cool. the next thing because yeah. you're just kind of going okay well let's just take it one step at a time yeah mm, and I think that's the important thing if anyone's listening thinking oh well, I couldn't do a horse or <laughs> Or a helicopter. <laughs> You're like, I didn't even think I could, you know, the first thing I did was roller skating. I had made up so many stories to do it. And then it cost me $5 to hire a pair of skates on one of their open days. And I had the best time trying to figure out not falling on my bum for the next two hours. But it was only that first step of actually going there and paying the five bucks. It was only that first step of making the phone call to find out if I could fly a helicopter. It's only the first step mm. for you to find out about horses and say, oh, actually, I'm already here. How about I just get on a horse? Yep. Like, <laughs> it, it, it is just taking those small little bits and then yep. leaning in for the next one and leaning in for the next one. Yeah. And I think, too, it is so important if you have kids to show them that this is possible. Because yep. what are we doing to our next generation and how are we modelling to them if we're not willing to take risks and say, you know what, I'm important too? Yeah. We've got to stop it somewhere. Yeah. And I even see that in young women that I know, mm. that they absolutely um, poo-poo what other women are doing. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I had real fear about starting this podcast. Yeah. Not the one with you guys today. <laughs> <laughs> Season one. And it's funny because I had put it out there to the universe or whatever last year of going, you know, I've been running Got Your Back Sister and I love it and I, I still you know, love helping our ladies and everything that we do. But I felt as though I had nothing for myself mm. anymore and I'd given up my photography business to focus on the charity and I was like, I miss doing something creative. And so I had actually put that out there last year, like I really want to do something creative that's just for me. And then I saw Mel Sarge, who's who owns the podcast station and produces the podcast. She put it out on social media going, hey, I've started this podcast station. He wants to start a podcast. And straight away I messaged him like, yeah, put me in. How, <laughs> how did you feel it? Did you feel it in your body? Or? Yeah, totally. I just yeah. felt, I felt the spark of joy. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have a crack at that. Why yeah. not? Yes. And, um, and then the very first time I came in to record a podcast, it was with Jackie Gillies. The oh, very first I remember <laughs> listening to that one. Well, and it was it, that was probably the fourth or fifth episode that was released, but it was the first one I recorded and I was so nervous. I kept running into the building next door to we doing a nervous <laughs> way I was so nervous and she was an hour and a half late so I was sitting for an hour and a half stewing waiting for her and she came in she's so 100 mile an hour and I felt she actually really put me at ease because she's just like a whirlwind and then she's like what's going on here what's going on with you are you nervous? I can feel the nervous energy. What's going on? What's happening? I'm like this is the very first pod- podcast I've ever recorded and she's like really? 
oh, well, you're great. Don't worry about it. This is where you're meant to be going. This is great. And I was like, okay. And it's been, again, it's been a total learning curve and I found every episode that came out first season, I was so nervous. But you, learnt, you leaned in and did it anyway. Yeah. And learnt something every time. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and and I'll be honest, I was bolstered by lovely feedback from people. And so I started to get a sense of what it was that people wanted to listen to. And, and I kind of thought if there's, if I want to learn about, you know, how to fill my soul with more, and if I want to learn about how to be, live a good and happy, joyful life and be a better human, maybe other people do too. Yes. So, yeah. What I love about your po- podcast is what you say at the beginning when you say, these are the questions that we need answers to. And I think you're providing a really cool safe space for women to listen to these questions and actually start to have conversations in their head because they might be sitting out there thinking, oh, no one else feels like me. And then you have someone on the podcast and it relates to them. You're like, oh, actually. We're all struggling. Yeah. We're all struggling <laughs> and we all <laughs> could have one another's backs yeah. because yeah. we're all in the same Absolutely. boat. Absolutely. Let's get soulful on social media. Search the Sister Code Facebook page and follow us on Instagram. Okay, my lovely ladies. So, what is it that you, one at a time, (laughs) what is it that you have learned most about yourself on your journey to finding something that really lights you up and gives you joy? For me personally, it's the ability to get things wrong because... In my 20s, I was happy to get things wrong and happy to, you know, make lots of mistakes and do all of the silly things that, I don't know, a party girl in her 20s was up to. (laughs) In my 30s, I needed to feel like I was getting things right, pulling my family first, doing things that, ticking all the boxes per se. And I think your 40s gives you this freedom to go, oh, well, effort. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I can totally screw this up. Actually, I really hope I screw this up because yep. there's so much more on the other side of screwing up. Yep. And flying the helicopter has taught me, re taught me that I can really spectacularly screw up things <laughs> and um, I can learn from it and I can be a better person for understanding that I can be perfectly imperfect. Nice. Mm. Nice. What about you, my friend, Lise? Um, I think it's actually the ability to be playful. Like the first time I cantered by accident, I got off my horse and I actually cantered like a three-year-old <laughs> <laughs> across the paddock. Yep. And all the girls were laughing at me and I'm like, I just felt like a child again. And I so miss that because I think as grown-ups, we kind of we tell ourselves we're not allowed to do that anymore. And yet I see my husband being silly and crazy and all the rest of it. And I think I've just become such a serious person in a lot of my life and it just brings out the joy in me and, and the silliness and the childness. Yeah. Beautiful. So, ladies, what would be your top tips for anybody who might be on the hamster wheel, who might be living each day kind of just going, I- I've, I'm feeling nothing or I'm feeling no joy, I'm just getting through each day i'm going to go back to the the five tips like the the writing down five things that you were you actually enjoyed like there's a reason that the word enjoy where did you actually feel joy when you were a kid was it something that you didn't get to do that you really wanted to do that you haven't followed through with and now you're an adult you can make your own choices and you can actually go and try it or uh is there something that has always sparked your interest that you never got to try Yeah, and write down five of them because you'll trip yourself up if you can't get to the first thing. And if you've got five, then you'll have somewhere to go with it. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree with Tam. I think they're going back into your childhood and um, thinking, well, what did I used to do that I loved that I don't anymore or what's something I want to try? And I also think you actually have to try and find a sister who has your back because it's so easy to chicken out and it's so easy to not tell anybody about these dreams and I think the biggest thing you can do is actually try and connect with someone. Maybe they've got a dream as well. Maybe you go and have a wine together or a walk or something and you get a bit silly and, and you know have a big piece of paper and write all these things down that you never thought you could do or you've always wanted to do and you actually choose a couple and make each other accountable for it. Yep, that's beautiful. Good oh, to share. Absolutely. And as I always say, you know, really one of the joys in life is having good people around you, people that you can trust and you can share those little, um, they know you and you know them and you love each other anyway and support each other and also keep it real. Yeah. Be there for the breakdowns and the breakthroughs. Absolutely. And even challenge. I love, um, I've got a couple of friends that challenge me. At least you challenge me. So do you, (laughs) Tanya? No, but I I love that because sometimes I don't know if I'm thinking about something the wrong way. And, you know, like we were talking about the stories that you tell yourself. Yeah, when you're in your head about it. Yeah, yeah. and I go, sometimes you need a good friend to actually challenge you around that and go, how true mm. is that actual yep. belief? Let's sit down and pull this apart and maybe you're overthinking it or maybe it's just in your head that really that's not a challenge or a barrier for you. Mm, definitely. Support a sister and leave us a review whenever you listen to the podcast. Now, I'm going to go back to the beginning of the podcast and where I said that you two are two of the most self-aware women that I have met. And let's wrap up. I want to hear about how you got to that place. How do you, how do you find self-awareness? Because, I, you know, I meet many women that have zero self-awareness <laughs> whatsoever. <laughs> well, it's like lightning and it just hits <laughs> you out of the blue and I got lightning I hit <laughs> And I got aware. <laughs> and all of a sudden I yep. was woke. Yeah. <laughs> No, for me, it's making lots of uh, mistakes and learning from it and uh, acknowledging them and acknowledging them. Yeah. And noticing uh, where things could have, how it ended up to be going, how it could go better, doing a lot of learning along the way. And the thing that comes to mind is the analogy of following the breadcrumbs through the forest. Sometimes you feel like you're really alone and lost and like, why isn't this thing working out? What's happening here? You know, questioning and being curious about it. But then just giving up has never been in my nature. It's kind of like, oh, well, there's a little breadcrumb of information. Hmm, I could just follow that. And then all of a sudden there's another little breadcrumb of information and then following it and then eventually you get to the gingerbread house and all of a sudden <laughs> it's all very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, my friend, Lise? I think I'm still becoming self-aware. Like Tam and I just had a conversation before um, we started recording this about where we both are at in life. And I, the last two years for me have been horrendous, like in a lot of ways, really hard on a lot of levels. And it's actually been the most important thing to to me to actually learn from that so to be self-aware to me is just every day just taking a breath and saying is what I'm doing right now working for me is it not and some days you'll go well screw it I'm just going to be like this anyway and I just want that chocolate or I just want to you know swear or yell at the kids or whatever but I just think it's a it's an ongoing process and as long as you're curious and as Tam said not be tough on yourselves like god we could be more compassionate of ourselves and kind to ourselves and if we talked nicer to ourselves we probably would want to be more self-aware but I think we're so you know scared of having that conversation with ourselves because we already tell ourselves we're bad enough you know so just be okay with it. Thank you so much for coming in today ladies and sharing your story your journey of self-discovery 
of what it is that lights you up and what it is that maybe some of us other sisters can do if we're still looking to discover what it is that lights us up so we live the best life we can. Thanks so much, Thank Mel. you. Well, Thanks for bringing please. us together because we haven't <laughs> seen each other for probably 15 months now. That's what we do. We connect. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you. Awesome. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Hey Soul Sister with Mel Histon. What would help you on your crazy life journey? Email melissa at thesistercode.com.